Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to After the Fact. Yes, hello, good evening, and welcome. It's After the Fact on Clamaris Community Radio. Thank you for joining us this evening. Our time machine of quiz has landed on the year 1951. So that will be what all the questions tonight will be based upon. Let's go and meet the teams straight away. So in front of me, I say hello to the members of the blue team. Good evening. Hi, I'm Carol from Boyle. Welcome, Carol. Still a teacher. Still a teacher. Everyone's still, everyone has the same jobs they had previously, so I suppose <laughs> we should just we should just acknowledge that and move on. Carol's teammate tonight. Hi, don't George Slattery from Town of Clamaris. Still a teacher. You, oh, you're both teachers. I don't know. Just yeah. notice that, right? Across we go. Evening, John. Uh, Liam Rabbit. I'm actually from Galway, and I'm still an environmental officer. Environmental officer, I must ask you someday what that actually means. Uh, yeah, that we'll have to devote a whole show to that, <laughs> Okay, John. all right. We won't do it right now. You're welcome, Liam. Thank you, John. And your teammate tonight? Uh, James Bonsall, archaeologist from Drummerhair. Welcome. And the, the James-Liam team back together. <laughs> yeah, unbeaten so far. Unbeaten so far, that's right. Versus the teachers. Well. The scientists versus the teachers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go meet the fifth member of our team. It's our robot scorekeeper, Clancy. Hello, everyone. I am so happy to see that my grandfather appears in tonight's show. Oh, spoiler alert. Sorry. Clancy, don't be giving away anything like that. That's really Okay, let us begin. This is round one. It's our multiple choice round. In this round, each player will be posed a question with three potential answers. If they can give me the correct answer on their own, they win two points. If they need to confer with their teammate, they can only, they only get one. Any wrong answer will see it immediately offered across to the side who have the remaining two options to choose from for a one-point bonus. It's an odd-numbered show tonight, so we're starting with the red team, Liam and James. Who wants to go first over there? I'll try go first there. All right. Liam, you did call yourselves the scientists a minute ago. <laughs> Which physicist was one of the joint recipients of the 1951 Nobel Prize for Physics? Which Irish physicist, I mean. Was it A, William Hamilton? Was it B, Ernest Walton? Or was it C, George Stoney? Um, Ernest Walton. That's correct. Well done. Yes, he won the Nobel Prize for being involved in the splitting of the atom. Yeah. Right, across we go. Who's going first on blue team? I go first. Jer, okay. Don't give me science. <laughs> in February of 1951, Jer, the 22nd Amendment to the U.S. Constitution was ratified. What was its effect? A. It repealed prohibition. B. It prohibited anyone being elected president more than twice. Or C. It set out the succession to the presidency and established a procedure for filling a vacancy in the office of vice president. Um, B. B. Yeah. It prohibits anyone from being elected more than twice? Yeah. Correct. Yes, that has been a 
I suppose, uh, a custom rather than a rule up until that point. And of course, during World War II, Franklin Roosevelt was Roosevelt, see, yeah. elected four times. James. Hello. The Rodgers and Hammerstein musical The King and I debuted on Broadway in 1951. The show made a star of which actor, who by the end of his career had appeared in the show's various runs an amazing 4,625 times? Was it A, Yul Brynner, B, Rex Harrison, or C, Robert Alda? Yul Brynner. Oh, we're flying through these ones tonight. This is strong stuff. That's correct. Yul Brynner. And, Carol, your question. 1951 saw the hosting of the first ever All-Ireland FLA, a.k.a. FLA Kjolna Herden. Where did that event take place? Your choices are A, Dublin, B, Thurlis, or C, Mullingar. Thurlis. She says Thurlis. <laughs> I'm sorry, Carl, that's not right. No way. <laughs> Across we go. Uh, boys, you've got a potential one-point bonus here. Which of those places hosted the first flag hill in the Herden? Mullingar. Mullingar is correct. And that gets you a bonus point. Kjoltas Kjoltar and Herden was actually founded in Mullingar earlier in the same year. Okay, Clancy, how does the score stand after round one? Blue to two points. Red to five points. Okay, so it's an early 5-2 lead for the red team. On we go with round two. This is our connections round. In this round, I'll give the teams two pieces of info. If they can tell me what links the two pieces of info to the year involved, they get three points. They can, if they wish, ask for a third and then a fourth piece of info, but they will be playing for two and one points, respectively. A wrong answer at any point will see all four pieces of info given across the other side for a potential one-point bonus. Okay, are you ready? Uh, we start with the teams trailing. That's the Blues. So, Carol and Jar. Yep. <coughs> Your first two pieces of info are <coughs> Joe Gilvary and Tom Langan. These are the two that scored the goals in the All-Ireland final. That's what you want from now. Yeah. <laughs> so how specific do we want it? Like, I mean, is it quite How specific do you want to give it to me? Well, there's the two goal scorers, isn't it? Well, there are two of four potential pieces of information. So what do you think is the uh, thing I'm looking for here? The 1951 all final, no? Uh, who won that? Mayo. <laughs> Mayo, sorry. <laughs> I thought I couldn't not come up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even with the Roscommon Quizmaster, I thought... <laughs> Surely he'll ask something about the 1951 final. Okay. It is correct. Yeah. Yes, it was. Thank you. Uh, Mayo defeating Mead in the 1951 Ireland football final. Not a game with any significance in this county. Well, <laughs> it's never been mentioned. <laughs> As you said already, Joe Gilvary and Tom Langan were the, two, were the goal scorers on the day for Mayo. Mm. Your third clue would have been Sean Flanagan. Captain. Captain. And Crossard. Uh, or is it cross bag, John? Uh, cross hard. Very cross good. Yeah, very good. Oh, I didn't know that now. And, yeah. yeah. Oh. You're touring. Oh, you're touring. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. And finally, fourth would have been there is no curse, it's all made up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> anyway, you didn't need that, you got the three points. It kind of fell for you nicely there. Okay, cross we go. James and Liam. Your first two pieces of info are James Staunton and Sean McBride. Uh, can we confer on this? Yeah, the, you've, you've played this quiz before. I, I know, but I don't want to, you know, <laughs> suddenly ruin it. <laughs> I know I'm lost. Yeah. Well, I could um, give a guess, but we'd lose the points. Let's um, do with the uh, Irish politics. I'll have to go for another point. <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah, another another piece of info? Sure. James Staunton, Sean McBride, and part three of the Health Act of 1947. The mother and child, yeah. So just the mother and child scheme. The mother and child scheme. Yeah. Noel Brown and all that. The, yeah, the mother and child scheme then. Yes, good for two points. The mother and child scheme, which ended up bringing down the government of the day. Uh, James Staunton. Um, Who was James Staunton? James Staunton was um, the Bishop of Ferns, and he wrote a letter to uh, the Taoiseach outlining the Bishop's Conference's problems with the particular bill. And in 1951, that carried a lot of weight in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Sure did. Sean McBride was a. Party leader of Noel Brown. Noel Brown was going to be your fourth clue, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Clan the Yeah, Clan And Noel Brown, the health minister, who resigned and ultimately that brought down the government. Uh, part three of the Health Act of 1947 was actually to do with the scheme. In other words, Fianna Fáil had actually brought it in in previous administration, but they hadn't actually gotten around to enacting it yet. So it's funny, well, it's mm. forever linked with Noel Brown's name, but it wasn't actually his well, idea. That's interesting, John. Thank you, Jer. No problem. Okay, two points scored there. Well done. Across we go to Carol and Jerry. Next question. Matthew Ridgeway. That's your first clue. And Operation Killer. Operation Killer. So we have Matthew Ridgeway and Operation Killer. Could possibly be Korean War. But, um, it did start in 1950, but it's so specific 1951. I don't know if there's any... One more, John. Please. Sure thing. This might help you. Matthew Ridgeway, Operation Killer, and the 38th North Parallel. Oh, okay. Well done, Carol. You had it. Yeah. Yeah. Korean War. Yes. Which was went on throughout it, uh, all of 1951. Oh. That gets two points. Matthew Ridgeway took over as commander of the American forces midway through the year from Douglas MacArthur. Oh. Operation Killer was one of their offensives that happened in 1951. Uh, 38th parallel north I think everyone knows that's you know approximation of the border and your final clue which you never got to was M-A-S-H oh yeah good one okay final question of the round we're flying through this round James and Liam Carl Malden and Kim Hunter oh no 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 yeah Kim Hunter um yeah. Sure. Sorry, John, can you repeat that? It's the lady, Carl yeah. Malden. Carl Malden and Kim Hunter. Yep. Oh, yeah. Streetcar, Streetcar named Desire. Desire. Yep. In unison. Go. A streetcar yeah. named Desire. Correct. Well done. Oh, yeah. Yes, it's the A Streetcar Named Desire released the film of Tennessee Williams' play in 1951. Carl Malden and Kim Hunter. And also we would have had Vivian Lee and Marilyn Brando would have been all four clues. All who were in acted it. Right. Excellent scoring there. Well done. Let's pop over and check how the score stand with Clancy. Blue to seven points. Red team ten points. So it's a ten points to seven lead for the red team. On we press to round three. Favourite round. <laughs> oh, oh God, is this the audio? Audio round. Music. It's the audio round. In this round... Each team will listen to a piece of music. They get a point for identifying the song title and the artist involved. And then there will be two subsequent questions. 
a wrong answer at any point will be offered across to the side for a potential bonus. Again, starting with the team that's trailing is the blue team. So, Carolyn Jarr, here's the first piece of music. Like a song of love that clings to me How the thought of you does things to me Never before has someone been more Okay, so we're looking at you. Unforgettable, not King Cole. That's correct. Point for you there. Subsequent questions are... What disease brought about the death of Nat King Cole at the age of just 45 in 1965? Silence. (laughs) That was really silent. So he was 45. He died at 45 in 1965. Something like TV. 65 is a little late for TV. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Um, Would he have had a heart attack? He said disease. He did say disease, John. I did say disease, yes. Sorry. What disease brought about the death of Nat King Cole at the age of just 45 in 1965? Polio. Is it too late for that? Um, Okay, I'm going to ask you for an answer, please. It wouldn't be as simple as cancer, like. Could be. In terms of percentages, can I have it's probably answer? going to be something specific. Can I have an answer? Go on, shout. Go for it. Oh, come on. Cancer. <laughs> Cancer. Prompt. As they say oh. in Theory's Cooking. What's that? Oh, Pro- you want more detail. Prompt. Oh. That's a lung cancer. What's the most... Uh, possibly it could be a smoke. smoke lung cancer. Those, everybody smoked oh, well, back then. You worked that out very well. That's exactly the case. Good stuff. Well <laughs> yes. He was uh, a bit of an inveterate smoker and died of lung cancer. As most people were smokers back then. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Next question. What was unusual about the re-released version of this song, still featuring Nat King Cole, that reached number 14 on the US Billboard charts and number 10 here in 1991? Unusual. Noteworthy, I suppose, is another word I could use. Okay. And I... I remember this as it happens. So what was unusual or noteworthy about the re-released version of this song still featuring Nat King Cole that reached number 14 on the US Billboard charts and number 10 here in 1991? It was a voice recording from the previous. Okay, can I push you for an answer? Is his daughter a singer? Yeah, she is. Was it a duet or something featuring Natalie Coley's daughter? That's exactly right again, Carol. Very good. Excellent. Clean sweep there on the Nat King Cole questions. Well done, guys. All right, over we go to the boys on the other side of the table for their first piece of music. Here it is, guys. tried so hard my dear to show that you're my every dream yet you're afraid each thing I do is just some evil scheme okay I love the confident looks that you're exchanging (laughs) with each other there 
we, we really like the Nat King Cole question. <laughs> <laughs> we really love us. Um, so, I, have, I have no idea then at all. No, I, like no. I might have an idea of a singer, but I wouldn't have a clue of a song. Um, no, I don't, I'm, I'm not even going to guess it. Okay, so are just, you just uh, passing guys? Just passing, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, but we you want to, to? No, no, we we need both. Then there's we no point giving. Yeah, there's no yeah, point to no, give So we'll pass it over to the guys. Okay. It's I have no idea. None. I don't know. It wouldn't be Mario Lanza, would we? <laughs> no. Was this more looking at the list of big hits for the year? Oh yeah, a desperate, <laughs> a desperate uh, lunge uh, for the line. <laughs> not. Uh, no, that there was a man who appeared in, on show uh, either last week or the week before, Tony Bennett. Ah. And here's singing Cold Cold Heart. It didn't sound like Tony Bennett. Well, that's it did sound like Tony Bennett, didn't it? No, no, well, it didn't. It oh, it did. No, it didn't. Not to no, me. It didn't to no. me either. That's young yeah. Tony Bennett there. So yeah. we, had, we, actually, Tony. we had Tony Bennett, but we didn't know the name of the song, okay. so there was no point in oh. right. guessing. Right. Cold Cold Heart was the name of the song. Which legend of country music wrote and first released the song Cold Cold Heart? I don't have a clue. Yeah, I'm going to defer to Liam. Do we still have control of the question? Yeah, this is, no, these are your questions. So. Legend of country music. <clears throat> 1951. So which legend of country music wrote and indeed first released the song Cold Cold Heart? Give a punt. Yeah, go for it if you think you know someone. Mm. Willie Nelson. It's not Willie Nelson. Across we go. I think it's Hank Williams. It is oh, indeed no, Hank sir. Williams. Very correct. Good. Yes. The legend it is Hank Williams. Still your question, guys. I know you're loving these. <laughs> Torture. Okay, here's one that's puntable, definitely. Tony Bennett has sold over 50 million records worldwide and is incredibly still performing, as I speak, at the age of 91. He's not just a singer, though. What other form of artistic expression does he create, very successfully, under his actual birth name of Antoni Benedetto? That sounds like painter. Painter, doesn't it? Yeah. Painter. He is a painter. That's correct. <laughs> Good. Great answer. And I was just about yeah. to say, oh no, wouldn't it be sculpture? Let's go for that. <laughs> yes, he's a very well-respected painter. See, Tony. Good ben. for him. Look it up. Right. Uh, well, you salvaged something there. That. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Let's go across for Carolyn Jers. Next piece of music. What an old friend I happen to see. I introduced her to my loved one And while they were dancing My friend stole my sweetheart from me I remember the night Right, Carolyn Jarr. I have to say the boys across the table are looking very active So let's see if this is going can you nip them in the bud there for the... All downhill after Nat King Cole. <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty flummoxed by this one. Mm. Yeah. Two women there. Can you begin right. to guess a name? No, I mean, to put a song title to two of them would be... Here all night, never mind. <laughs> so we're going to have to pass. You're passing it on. Carol, we're not going to waste your time. We're going to okay. pass. Okay, no problem. Um, I think it's the Tennessee Waltz by... Um, Patty Page. Yes, it is. That's exactly what it is. Good man. 
<laughs> Not on my YouTube playlist, funny enough. Right, so you've got two further questions, uh, Carol and Jar, on, related to, in some way, Tennessee Waltz by Patty Page. Paddy Page sold over 100 million records during a six-decade-long career, which only ended in 2012, a matter of months before her death. Tell me, though, in what decade did she receive her first Grammy Award? When did the Grammy start? Huh? When did the Grammy start? No clue. Was it started as late as the 70s? Or? Yeah. I doubt they were around. Were they around in the 60s? I thought they were around in the 50s. No. I'm not sure the 60s. So. That could be shockingly late. Once again, as throughout. Yeah, she said it was one of these, these tributes. We could better give her something kind of before she, yeah, before she leaves us. So, so would, would in what decade started? did Patty Page win her first yeah, Grammy um, Award? The Teenies. Would we? <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? We don't know. The teenies. As in, you're saying 2010. after 2010? Yeah. <clears throat> afraid it's a no. Across we go. Potential bonus, lads. We're thinking on the same lines. It was like an honorary thing, so uh, we'll go with the noughties. <clears throat> well, if we'd had a third team in here, they'd have guessed the 90s and they'd have been the right people. <laughs> so, yes, it was uh, for her 50th anniversary concert. She, got, she won the Grammy for Best Traditional Pop Vocal Performance. All right, here's another one that's guessable, if you're ready for it. The writers of Tennessee Waltz were called Pee Wee King and Red Stewart. They were inspired to create the song after hearing a different song on the radio performed by their contemporary Bill Monroe, the father of bluegrass. This song had a similar title, simply being The Somewhere Else Waltz, where the somewhere else is a different US state. Tell me, please, the name of the state. So we're 49 to choose from. Hmm. Perhaps. There's something Waltz. Oh, yeah. 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 Carolina something. Waltz. Uh, yeah. Louisiana Waltz. Kentucky. <laughs> so I'll say it again. The writers of the Tennessee Waltz, Pee Wee King and Red Stewart, were inspired to create the song after hearing a hit by their contemporary Bill Monroe, the father of bluegrass, on the radio. Well, bluegrass is kind of down in Louisiana. This song had a very similar title, it being the Somewhere Waltz, where Somewhere was also a U.S. state name. Which U.S. state? I, for some reason, associate bluegrass with, you know, Louisiana. Cajun kind of stuff. So, would we go for Louisiana? It's going to be one of their neighbours, isn't it? Yeah. We'll try Louisiana. Louisiana. But not. Cross we go. Uh, within Kentucky. Oh. Yes, bluegrass. Kentucky bluegrass. Oh, yes, okay. indeed. It was the Kentucky waltz. Okay, another bonus point for the Reds. Doing well here. Okay, so final piece of music of the round is for you, boys. Are you ready? Here it comes.
Now, fans of Clamaris Community Radio will no doubt recognise one of the promo audios that we use in the station. All I, I can you. think of is a Monty Python sketch where <laughs> that was used as a background. I knew you were going to play that, John. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, gentlemen, you're still in control for for now anyway, looking yeah, at Jura's happy face. Yeah, two tunes and Stephen and Diane. So, who's yeah, performing yeah, there yeah, and the uh, what's the name of the song? Oh, yeah. What's the song like? I, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. yeah. You want me to? <laughs> what are you, you doing, James? Name wants a reminder of what he said. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out the instrument. It's kind of a. Oh. Um, violin. Lots, of, lots, <laughs> lots and lots of violins. I think. Yeah. Okay. You want to take a guess? I think I know the singer, but I just can't think of the tune. Okay, I'm gonna have to push no. it for answer. I can pass it over. You're there. passing it over. Yeah, yeah. Don't waste time. Jer, okay. Carol, Charmaine. Sorry, Charmaine. Right. Antovani. Yeah, exactly oh, correct. Thanks. Yes. Very good. <laughs> Technically, Mantovani in his orchestra, but yeah. we'll take that. And the song is Charmaine. Right. Two more questions for you guys on this. This piece is constantly played as background music. In the mental institution at the heart of which 1975 film? Oh, yeah, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, yeah, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh. Correct. Annunzio Paolo Mantovani was an Anglo-Italian conductor and composer who, according to the Guinness Book of British Hit Singles, was Britain's most successful album act before the Beatles. There's a claim. Hmm. The peak of his career came during the year 1959... When he had how many albums in the UK's top 30 charts at the same time? All I want is a number. Nine. Are we including his white album? Nine. <laughs> You're going for it's nine. Smaller than that. It's it's smaller. Five. Okay. five. Okay, try five. Five. Mm. What are you? Okay, we're passing it over. We both think it's 11. <laughs> no, we're both, we're both wrong. We're about to Betty, obviously. Very good. <laughs> going to be like three or something four or something it was six it's a good okay. number it's a good number six okay. yeah he had six albums in the top 30 album charts at the same time prolific indeed right let us go and check the score with Clancy before we take our ad break <coughs> Clancy how does that leave things blue to 12 points red to 14 points so it's 14 points to 12 lead for the reds we'll be back in two minutes time please don't go away Hello, you're welcome back to After the Fact here on Clamaris Community Radio, our weekly trivia quiz game. This week featuring questions all about 1951. Now, we have reached round four. This is our 20 questions round in this round. When the team is in control, they get asked a question. If they get it right, they get a point. But they also get to keep control of the game, which means they get the next question. This can continue until at most five in a row have been answered correctly at which point they will have to give over control, but they will get a bonus sixth point for that achievement. Any wrong answers, though, we'll see it immediately go across the other side for a potential bonus, and the other side will get the next question as well. We are going to start, as we do, with the team that's trailing, which is the blue team. That is, I should have said, Carol Cronin and Jerry Slattery. They're on 12 points, and two behind uh, James Bonsell and Liam Ravis, who are on 14. Right, Carol and Jer, are you ready? Yeah, okay, okay let's go. Question one. 
In September of 1951, Chinese communist forces captured Lhasa, the capital city of which historical country? Tibet. Tibet, Tibet is correct. Tibet. Someone has slagged me off recently. The question one in the 20 questions is never very taxing. That's wrong. Good. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. Opposing team catch up. <laughs> Question two. Are you ready? On the same week in March 1951, two comic strip characters appeared for the first time. One in the UK in the Beano, and the other one in the US, created by cartoonist Hank Ketchum. Although they are completely unrelated, they both share the exact same three-word name. What is that? Dennis the Menace. Dennis the Menace is indeed right. Yes. Number three. Who was elected president of Argentina for the second time in that country's general election of November 1951? Eva Peron, was it? Who was it that? Peron. Peron. As in Eva, Eva. Oh, as in Eva Peron. <coughs> you overextended yourself there. So across we go, bonus point. Juan. Juan Peron. Juan Peron. Sure. Husband of Eva. Sorry. Okay. Badness. Question three. No, that was question three. Question four in our section. Your first question. Which TV show, starring Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, often regarded as one of the greatest and most influential sitcoms in history, began its first of six seasons in 1951? I love Lucy. Correct. Next question. Designed principally by J. Presper Eckert and John Malchley, what was the name of the world's first mass-produced computer? Manufactured by the Remington Rand Corporation. In 1951, the first completed model was installed in the U.S. Census Bureau. Yeah, Univac. Yes, it was the Univac. Originally published in serial form in 1945 through 46, The Catcher in the Rye was released as a novel in 1951. What was the name of its reclusive author? J.D. Salinger. J.D. Salinger. Correct. And for your five in a row. In July, in which country did Leopold III abdicate in favour of his son, Baudouin? Belgium. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Okay, cross we go. Carolyn Jarr. Eyes on the ball now, eyes on the ball. The top grossing film of 1951 was set in ancient Rome and starred Robert Taylor, Deborah Kerr and Peter Ustinov. It was based on which 1896 novel by Nobel laureate Henrik Sienkiewicz? Speak up, please, John. Covadis. 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 Latin isn't too good. (laughs) Next question. The European coal and steel community was established on the 18th of April when France, West Germany, Italy and the three Benelux countries all signed a treaty in which city? Treaty of Paris, John. Correct. One of the many in history. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of the many <laughs> treaties of Paris. Yeah. Next question. Created by Spike Milligan and starring him, Peter Sellers, and Harry Seacombe and others, which radio show made its debut on the BBC in 1951? The Goon Show. The Goon Show, yes. I'm not even bothering with the timer here for some of these. It's very good. Okay, let me see where we're at. That's three in a row. Right. Next question. In July, William Shockley, John Bardeen and Walter Brattain announced the invention of which revolutionary device since regarded as a fundamental building block of modern electronics? Junction transistor. Yes. I would have just accepted transistor. 
Well, I'm a physics teacher, so. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm a French and history teacher, hence the blank look on my face. That's why you got the Paris question. Let me just see. Yeah, we're going for five in a row here. Who moved into 10 Downing Street for a second time following the UK general election of October 1951? Churchill. Yes. Winston, I presume you're going to say yeah. that. Maybe I should let you speak and said you said Randolph or something. Yes, Not his wife. Yes, <laughs> yes, of course it was, yes. <laughs> right, that levels the scores. 20 each. Okay, across we go. 19 each, isn't it? I have 20 each on the scoreboard. Oh, wow. Did you add your bonuses? Yeah, I can't count on another maths teacher. All right. <laughs> Over we go to you guys. Are you ready? Yes. Which musical film starring Gene Kelly, released in November 1951, would go on to win six Academy Awards, including Best Picture, at the following year's Oscars? The timer is delighted to oh. get an airing here. Uh, which musical film starring Gene Kelly, released yeah, in November 1951, would go on to win six Academy Awards, including Best Picture, at the following year's Oscars? Fifteen seconds. Meet me in Paris. Meet me in Paris. Cross we go. Potential bonus. I think it's more American in Paris than What are you going for? We try an American in Paris. That's correct. Oh. Oh. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Well, lucky there, lads. You had yeah, the Paris, you had the Paris connection. So, Carolyn Jerry, your question: The man who developed the twelve-tone technique, an influential compositional method of manipulating an ordered series of all twelve notes in the chromatic scale. <laughs> this Austrian composer died in July of 1951 at the age of 76. What was his name? Good God! Well, I read that one again. You want an Austrian composer? <laughs> The man who developed the 12 tone technique, an influential compositional method of manipulating an ordered series of all 12 notes in the chromatic scale, which Austrian composer died in July 1951 at the age of 76. More modern than any other Austrian composers I know. Try and try it. Schubert. I'm afraid it is not that. Okay, so it's going across. Wow, that's tough. So, died in 1951 at the age of 76. Any idea? No, no. Okay. That was Arnold Schoenberg. All right, it's your question again, so. Liam and James. Held on February 14th, 1951, the fight became known as the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Sugar Ray Robinson ultimately won by technical knockout in the 13th round after following the preceding few rounds giving a horrible beating to his opponent who he was facing for the 6th time in his career. 
Who was this boxer who refused to go down? Born in the Bronx in 1922, he passed away last September at the age of 95. Jake LaMotta. That's correct. The Raging Bull. Six times. Brilliant. Okay, levels the scores again. And you're still in control, Lehman James. In December of 1951, Idris became the first king of which nation following its independence from Italy? Libya. Ooh, straight in there, it's right. Born David Davies in 1893, which Welsh composer and actor, who became one of the most popular British entertainers of the first half of the 20th century, passed away in March 1951. He is perhaps best known today for a series of awards presented annually in London by the British Academy of Songwriters that have borne his name ever since since 1956. Ivor Novello. Yes, Ivor Novello is correct. A single story steel and glass house completed in 1951. The Farnsworth House is recognised as an iconic masterpiece of the international style of architecture. This building in Plano, Illinois, was, which became a designated as a US National Historic Landmark in 2006, was designed and constructed by which German-born architect, who was also very well known for his work in furniture? German architect. Oh, Funny German architect, I know it's a spear, but... He probably long dead, is he? I can't remember. Not a clue. So, a single-storey steel and glass house completed in 1951, the Farnsworth House is recognised as an iconic masterpiece of the international style of architecture. This building in Plano, Illinois, which was designated the US National Historic Landmark in 2006, was designed and constructed by which German-born <coughs> architect, who is also very well known for his work in furniture? You got 15 seconds. We'd wait till the 15 is over. <laughs> <laughs> Try and drag it out. <laughs> and then coming towards the surface. Okay, there that's, goes that's the gong. Yes. Schmidt. Schmidt Speer. Speer Schmidt. A totally un, a totally not surprising uh, wrong noise there. zero. So you're getting controlled. We don't know. Um, the, fact, the fact that the architecture prize might be was, might have been started because of this guy. I don't know. Or we could just go stab in the dark with Pritzker. But well, I like logic. Mm. Right. Okay. Good answer. Nice the answer was Ludwig Mies van der Rohe, oh. designer of the Barcelona chair, for instance. Many other things. Okay. Your question. Okay. There are two questions left. <gasps> I have you two points behind. Yeah. Here we go. Recorded twice in 1951, Rocket 88 is often regarded as the first rock and roll record. One of the versions was recorded by Bill Haley. The other was recorded by Jackie Brenston and a group credited as his Delta Cats. These cats, though, actually already had a name. They were called the Kings of Rhythm. Formed in the late 1940s in Clarksdale, Mississippi, the Kings of Rhythm were led by which controversial rock musician and songwriter from then right through to his death in 2007. Who was he? Yeah. Is there, is there a, uh, something like that? Or, uh, I'm trying to <laughs> Looking at this. So. I've never heard of this. It was recorded twice in 1951. Rocket 88 is often regarded as the first rock and roll record. Okay. One version was by Bill Haley. The other by Jackie Brenston and a group oh. called the Delta Cats. That's them, yeah. But the Delta Cats were actually the kings of rhythm. 
who had been formed in the late 1940s and were led by which controversial rock musician and songwriter right through to his death in 2007? No pressure. Oh, I'm going to go for Turner. 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 Well done. Ike Turner. Ike no? Turner, yes. Ike Turner is indeed the correct answer of Ike and Tina fame and infamy, I suppose, as well. One question shootout, as they say in the chat. Here chairs. we go. No. Final question of the set. Oh, Jenny. You're one point down. This could be the first... Tie of the series. Wow, what no. I will just be half a point each. What's eight? We've got no playoff questions, in other words. Come on, put us out of our misery here. Which 1948 film, directed by David Lean, was finally shown in the US in 1951? After 10 minutes of supposedly anti Semitic references and close ups of its star, Alec Guinness, were cut. The film would not be shown uncut in the US until 1970. Oh, what was the name of that film? Definitely not that one. So, which 1948 film, directed by David Lean, was finally shown in the US in 1951 after 10 minutes of supposedly anti Semitic references and close ups of its star Alec Guinness were cut? Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist, she says. Well done. And back of the net it goes. Well done. Well, wow. What a show. <laughs> what a show. Let us go over to Clancy and we get that confirmed. Clancy, what were the final scores tonight? Blue team 23 points. Red team 23 points. Yes, we have a draw. That was excellent. Well done, Ger. Brilliant, guys. Well done. Well done, Karen. Piece of radio magic. Oh, shaking hands. So it's all gone here. Very good. Great show. Well handling of the pressure there. Good scoring night all round, though. So well done to you all. Yeah, good scores. And the sides were level coming in here tonight, I'm pretty sure. And they're going to remain level. No separate. We'll have to go into extra time, John. So thank you all. Thank you, Carol, Jar. Liam and James and we'll be back next week with another team and some more questions goodbye for now Podcast Extra Okay we've met the team let's go and meet the final person uh, the fourth uh Let's go meet the fifth member of our team. She says Thurless. Excuse me while I have to dig out a little sound effect here. And I closed the window by accident, hence this ridiculously bad delay. Oh, we can do it for you if you want. <laughs> do you do you want to... <laughs> <laughs> what disease brought about the debt of... Where am I from? Tiberi. The death of... <laughs> <laughs> what disease brought about the death of... Okay. That was... Arnold Schoenberg. Arnold Schoenberg, says a mysterious voice from the back of the studio. Next week on After the Fact. Here comes your warm-up question, everybody. <coughs> okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. I have in front of me the list of the world's top 10 GDP... Gross domestic product, world's richest countries, in other words. So we'll go around the room and you have to simply tell me one of, uh, one of these on the list of 10. Yeah. Uh, we'll, for once in our life, we're going to start with the, the red team. So, Elaine. Well, I'll go with the USA. <coughs> Correct, USA, number two on the list. 
Uh, go on, John. Uh, China. China, number one on the list. Mm. Finally uh, got one. We'll go, Johnny Senior. Uh, Japan. Japan, number four on the list. This is good. Everyone knows their stuff. Paddy. Let's say Germany. Germany is number five on the list. So everyone 100% record so far, um, Aline. I'm going to say the UK. The UK, number nine on the list. John. Saudi Arabia? Uh, no. 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 That's our first wrong answer. Okay. One life for you. Uh, France, maybe. France, he says. And it's just their tent on the list. <laughs> Paddy. Right. Uh, I will say India. Oh, it's a good call. Number three on the wow. list. Is there one left? Okay, so we've got we've got three countries left on the list. Elaine. No pressure? None. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Sweden? No, afraid no. not. Okay, John? I'm between two. I'll say Canada. Canada? No, it's not here either, John. Oh, You're okay. out. All right, that's fine. Right. John Senior. Uh, uh, South Korea. South Korea, no, that's not right either. So you're down to one life. Paddy? I'll say Brazil. Oh, with a bullet number eight. Oh, that was my other Paddy's got two <laughs> lives left still. Elaine, you're on your last oh, life. Oh, um, um, <laughs> don't put the ticking clock on me. No. She's trying to channel her mm. inner economist. Russia. Yes, Russia, oh, number yeah. six on the list. You're already out, yeah, John, no, so we're going on to Johnny. Uh, Australia. No, Fred, not. Oh. So you're gone. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Paddy, there's one left on this list. One left, one left. What, what number is it at, sorry, John? It's at number seven. Number seven. Uh, I'm going to take a mad punt and say Indonesia. Oh, let me get the bell. <laughs> oh, well oh. He deserves the bell <laughs> for that answer, does not? Yes. Well done, well done, Paddy. Uh, and I'm going to declare Paddy the winner of that particular challenge, even though Elaine's still at life. But we're out. No, no, that's brilliant. We're now out. Oh, very good. <laughs> yes, China is top of the list and uh, bigger than the European Union. China, because the European Union is in here in brackets between China and the United States. United States second. Okay. India, then Japan, then Germany, Russia, Indonesia, Brazil, the UK, and France. 